This morning, is, it was the last Sunday of Advent. And I, I honestly, I just want to thank those who were willing to kind of brave uh, the stage, who were willing to come up and, and to share uh, just part of their story, part of how they are seeing uh, the Word made flesh in their lives. I want to sh- uh, thank Ellie Higby and, and Meg Lowry and, and the Mayorgas and then Ed and Joy. And in fact, I, after Ed and Joy were done, I thought, I don't even need to preach today. I think they just covered it all. I mean, you could just li- re-listen to that and we could be, go on with our day, but, but I'm going to, so don't worry. I know you, you kind of were hoping, but... But here's what I love about it, is that in their stories, in their, in their words, in their experiences, they, we got to see God in action through the presence of Jesus in their lives. Really, it's, it's Emmanuel. It's God with us, God near and, and proximate to us. And it really, they're just giving us a glimpse, even as Ed shared, into all the things that God has been doing in and through their lives over the course of this year. And it's an opportunity for us to actually lean into and to consider that as well. And honestly, I think it was a great follow-up to what we looked at last week. If you were here with us last week, we looked at John chapter 6, the first 21 verses, where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And then he walks out on the water to his, his disciples, where he, he's literally rescuing them, meeting their needs, providing for them, filling them up completely. And in those moments... In those moments, we see God in action through the presence of Jesus in the lives of people, which really just sets us up wonderfully for the passage that we're going to look at today, which is also found in John chapter 6. And, and we're actually going to make it through the, kind of the rest of John chapter 6, which is it's a pretty lengthy little chunk of, of Scripture. In fact, when you look at it, if you have a Bible that where all of Jesus' words are, are in red, like that, those pages are probably just full of, of red uh, letter words, because this is one of one of the longest recordings of Jesus' speaking in, in all of John's gospel. Maybe the longest would be when Jesus kind of gives his final farewell to the disciples. But this is almost like a sermon that Jesus is giving to the, to those who would seek him out and to those who were there in Capernaum where he shows up. So as you listen to this today, I'm just going to read this, this passage to you. I want you to listen to it as if you were sitting at the feet of this rabbi, as if you had just been fed the, the day before, like from the, the loaves and, and the fish, and you're coming back for more, just as, as the people were. They, they sought after Jesus. After he, he left, they went and found him, and here's where they show up, and they say, Rabbi, when did you get here? And then he starts to teach them. So sit under the rabbi's teaching. Sit under the one who has, who has provided for you faithfully in so many ways, through so many miracles and moments and, and meals, and just listen to his words. And In fact, as I read it, the words will be up on the screen, but, but maybe you just want to just sit and close your eyes and, and listen to the words of Jesus this morning. In fact, these words are so important, I brought my glasses so I could read them clearly as, I, as I'm reading to you this morning. I don't, I don't want to get lost. But here's where it starts in John chapter 6, starting in verse 26. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, but not because you saw the sign, but not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of, Man, Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. 
So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who seeks or everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can we now say, how can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up that last day. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, Jesus said a lot in this passage, and it would, it would take a lot for us to process every, every point and every part of what Jesus said. And so I'm going to focus on three things that Jesus said in this passage that I believe connect with what we talked about last week, and then I think will actually lead us into the remainder of John's gospel as we, as we continue to, to follow Jesus through it. So here's the first thing that, that I want to point out that Jesus said, and you probably heard him say, he said, the work of God is to believe in the one he sent, or the one who was sent 
by God. Now, I know if you've been here for most of this series, you know that we've talked about believing often. We talk, we've talked about it a lot, but I believe that it's, it's important for us to touch on it at least one more time because it's a word that's going to continue to, to come up throughout this gospel. It's a theme we're going to continue to see. And as we saw in this passage alone, Jesus referenced believing and the, and the, the, the impact, like the eternal impact of believing in the one that God has sent and as we've talked about believing, we've said that believing is about four different things that all kind of come together under this word believe. It's, it's accepting something as true. It's putting our trust and our faith in something. It's having a confident hope in what might seem impossible. And then it's also this, this fidelity, this deep and everlasting, long-lasting commitment. These are all things, they work together into this idea of what it means to, to believe. And Jesus says to, to believe the one who God has sent. And according to, to Dallas Willard, and I shared this quote a few, a few weeks ago, to believe something is to be ready to act as if it were true. And so what is it that, that he's calling us to believe? Just as, as a point of review, he says, believe the one God sent, the Son of God, the Messiah. Like, this is the reason we celebrate Christmas. This is what we are celebrating when we celebrate Christmas Eve and Christmas morning, that, that God would send his Son, that God would send the Messiah. This is actually what, what John says at the end of this letter. We've talked about this a number of times. The reason I wrote this, the reason these things are written in here is so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing, you would have life in his name. Like this idea of believing the, in the one who God has sent, it is, it is so significant. And it would be tempting for us to maybe just gloss over it and, and because it sounds familiar, right? Like we read this often in John's gospel, but maybe even in just in Christian conversation. But for us, we don't want to gloss over the, the depth of the meaning of what it looks like to believe. Jesus says that the will of God is that everyone who looks to and believes in this son will have eternal life. Now, we've talked about before this eternal life is life that goes on forever. It is, it is life in what, we've, what we call heaven, but it is life that begins right now as we put our faith, as we put our trust, as we put our confident hope in Jesus, that life begins and, and continues on now and goes on into eternity because because Jesus Christ, he is the, the bread of life, which is the second thing that, that, he's, that I want to point out from this long passage that we read this morning. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Now, if you were here last week, you know that just the day before, just, just before Jesus walked on water, he fed 5,000, maybe more people with, with bread and with fish. He fed, he fed them until they were full. He fed them as much as he wanted. I imagine Jesus, even at the end, he's like, you want, you want more people? Or just like, no, I, I'm good. But he's like, hey, just, just take one more for, for the road. He just continued to, to feed them until they had had enough. And yet today, in this passage, Jesus says, do not work for food that spoils like bread, but for that which endures. And that is something I think that we are easily susceptible just as easily as those who Jesus was speaking to is that we might work for or pursue or seek after 
food, maybe not food that spoils, but, but things that spoil, things that, that will go bad over time, things that we will have to actually have to keep pursuing or that we're going to need more of or we're going to want more of because they have no lasting value. They have no eternal value. We're tempted to, to pursue things that will spoil, to pursue things that won't last. But Jesus says, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me won't go hunger. Whoever believes in me will, will never be thirsty. You see, for the people who Jesus was speaking to at this time, bread was, it was a staple, right? And even, even now, in some ways for us, I think bread is, is a staple, or at least it's, it's made up of, of wheat, which would be considered a staple. But a staple is this. It's food that makes up the dominant part of a population's diet. It's what they ate to stay alive. It's what would sustain them day after day. But here's the thing about a staple. Here's the thing about bread or, or rice or, or beans, whatever your, the staple might be, is that they're always going to need more. They're always going to need more of that staple. They're always going to, to be hungry again, hungry for more. Now, last week, again, if you were here, we talked about bread for a, minute, a moment because Jesus multiplied bread and then afterward they they picked up these these pieces of bread because Jesus had instructed them to and for the Jewish people the even the pieces of broken bread had value because they were broken off of of what they considered to be a gift of God the Jewish people they believed that bread was this gift of God to them it had value and it was it was worth being picked up and so they did and, then, and they would actually remember, I shared with you a prayer that they would pray, their Thanksgiving prayer, giving a prayer of thanks where it says, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, king of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And Jesus himself would teach his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. See, bread, it was a staple, but bread it was also a gift from God, it, bread was something that would be needed daily. Bread was life. Bread was life for those who were listening to Jesus in that moment. And so for us, as we hear Jesus say, I am the bread of life, and he says, believe the one in whom God has sent. For us to believe in Jesus, is to, it comes down to reliance upon him as the bread of life. That he is our staple. That he is our, our daily need. That he is the gift of, of grace from God the Father. That he is life. And I guess the question for us is, is he? Is he all of those things? Is he our staple? Is he what we need daily? Is he the gift of God that we receive? Or do we simply pursue the things that will spoil? The food that spoils because here's what he says near the end of, of this sermon. He says, the one who feeds on this bread, my flesh, will live because of me. Now for them and, and for us, these are hard words to hear, hard words to understand. These are confused, this is a confusing concept. They, you could tell because they were all asking like, what does he mean by this? Is he really talking about eating his flesh and, and drinking his blood. Like, like, this sounds weird. It, was, it sounded weird to them. It sounds weird to us. It's hard for us to hear and hard for us to understand. But here's what we know about bread. 
Here's what we know about bread is that for bread to be beneficial, bread has to be eaten. In order for bread to, to sustain us, in order for bread to, to benefit us, it has to be consumed. That's how bread, that's how bread works. And it's the same with Jesus. He says, whoever eats this bread will live. But the bread that he's talking about, it's, it's different, isn't it? And we just understand in some ways it's different. We understand that unlike that, the free miracle or wonder bread, if you want to, the miracle bread from, from yesterday, like this bread, it came at a cost. It would come at a cost. This bread, it won't spoil. This bread is personal. This bread requires sacrifice. This bread, his flesh, it would actually have to die before it could be consumed. It would have to die before it could be taken in. And all of this points to, to chapters later, to when Jesus, his flesh, is, is crucified on the cross. He's pointing us and, and leading us and maybe just kind of giving us a, just a hint of, of what's to come in his death but eventually in his, in his resurrection as well. And so to get this point across, he uses a, a very powerful and almost disturbing metaphor. He says, whoever eats my flesh and whoever drinks my blood will remain in me and I in him. But is it, does that verse sound familiar to, to you at all? The words that I, that I would remain in them and that they would remain in me. To me, when I heard that, it reminds me of, Jesus, of what Jesus says in John 15, which we'll get to in, in 2022, when he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you will do nothing. Those who remain in me, and I in them. Like there's this attachment, there's this connection, there's this uh, sharing of, of, of life, where the branch is unable to, to live unless it is consuming what is being given and offered and, and through the vine. There's a similarity to that. That we're, we're being led to and called to and instructed to and invited into an attachment with ourselves, with the vine, with, with Christ in a way that just sounds hard. And so then where does that, where does that leave us today? Well, as following Jesus often does, it, it leaves us with a choice. I want to just read one more passage to you from the end of, of chapter 6. Because here's the response after Jesus had said this. It says in verse uh, 60, it says, On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, 
Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And see, there will be times for us when following Jesus, when hearing the words of Jesus, when listening and looking at the teachings of Jesus, when, when hearing and understanding what maybe the Spirit is guiding us into when it sounds hard, when it sounds confusing, when it doesn't make sense, when it seems like almost the opposite of what, of what we should do. There will be times when we have to hear something hard from Jesus or we're asked to do something hard. And here in this story, this was a turning point for the disciples. It was a turning point for those that had been following Jesus. More than just, more than just the, these 12 people, it was all of them. And then what happened is that some of the disciples, they, they turned away. He says some of them turned away and stopped following Jesus. And then Jesus asked the 12, do you want to leave me too? And instead of turning away, those 12, they turned towards Jesus. And I love how, what Peter says when, in that moment when Jesus asked that question. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have, we have come to believe that you are the Holy One of God. Essentially what Peter was saying to him is this. He says, you are what we need and we believe in you. And they were putting their beliefs into action. They were acting as if what they believed was true. Now this, this moment in, in John chapter 6, this is the first moment where both John and Peter refer to these that refer to the 12 disciples, where it's like now narrowed down to the, the 12 disciples. It doesn't mean that there weren't others that were following Jesus, but this is the first time where we see them distinguishing them. And I can't help but think that, that these 12 disciples that, that who have said, no, where else should we go? You are the one who offers us the word that leads to life. And I can't help but imagine that those were the 12 that, that left that mountainside with, with a lunchbox full of leftovers on their side. Remember last week when after Jesus had performed the miracle of feeding 5,000 people, he says, now gather together, bring together all of the broken pieces. Let there, or so that none would be wasted, so that none would be lost. And so here, these 12, I believe they were the ones that ended up with the 12 baskets of, of bread on their side. They had Jesus with them. They, they took with them off of that mountainside. They took with them the, the miracle. They took with them the moment, the memory, and they literally took with them that day the meal that Jesus had offered them. And this was something that they were going to need. They had needed it on this day. One day later, they needed to have that reminder that this is what Jesus does, and, and this is how Jesus is with me. And they were going to need a reminder going forward. They would need a reminder almost daily or, or every other day or, or at least every, every few days, a reminder that Jesus does this type of work in my life and Jesus is with me. And so do we. You see, it's not by accident that when we come and take communion, which we do today, that, that we're coming together at, in, a, in a meal. That we come together and I realize it doesn't feel like a meal because it's such a small cracker and such a little bit of juice but when when Jesus invited his disciples when he in, initiated this idea of 
breaking bread in remembrance of me. It wasn't over a, a cracker and, and a, a sip of, of grape juice. It was over a meal with his disciples. It was in a moment that they would repeat day after day after day because every day we need more bread. Every day we need to consume more. And every day we need to take in the reminder that this is the type of thing that Jesus does. This is what Jesus has done for me and that Jesus is with me. There's a reason why we, we, take, we try to take communion often and why when we gather together just in our homes or, or with friends to, to share a meal, that, that in those moments we can remember what Jesus has done for us and we can be reminded that Jesus is always with us in those moments. As we prepare to take communion this morning, I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians. Now this is the passage that I typically read when we take communion together and we're not going to do that just yet so just be patient but I want you to listen to these words that the Paul wrote to the church in Corinth he says for I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now this morning, we're going to give you just a little bit of time and and a pause in, in our service to, to take communion. And, and this morning, instead of taking it collectively, instead of me instructing you to, to now take the bread or to now take the cup, I want you to do that when you're ready. And you should have your, your elements with you. And, and as you are sitting there, and we'll just have some, some music in the background, I, I want you to do two things. One is, is I want you to um, remember what Jesus has done for you. I want you to be reminded as you prepare that Jesus is with you. I want you to consider your reliance upon him. I want you to consider whether you are working for things that, that spoil or if, or if you are working for the bread of life which will sustain us for eternity. I want you to consider how you might feed on this bread and remain in him. And then when you are ready, I want to encourage you to do one last thing as, as you've, whenever you're ready to open up your bread and your juice, in your mind or in your own, on your own, just read to yourself this passage that I normally would read to you and take the bread and take the cup and then we'll uh, pray together. up this time of communion, let me invite you to, to stand with me. And what I'd like for us to do is to, is to say the, the Lord's Prayer together. Now, you may have grown up, or maybe you, you don't know the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's found in, in Matthew's Gospel and, and Luke's as well, I believe. And, and maybe that's, that's totally fine. But maybe you've learned it when you were a kid, or maybe you've 
learned as, as an adult, and maybe you, you probably all say it differently, right? With, you can say it in kind of the old, old school version or like the New Living Translation or whatever, but I'll start it, and I'm just going to say it the way that I say it, and you can just say it on your own and just be praying the Lord's Prayer together. And if you have never heard it or you don't have it memorized, just, just take in the words that are being said and let them even minister to you uh, as we close this time of communion together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. forward to seeing you Friday. Three or, three or five, right back here. Bring a neighbor, bring a friend, bring a brother, bring a sister. Free high fives for all that do. But remember today that what we believe must inform our behaviors. And if we believe that Jesus really is the bread of life that satisfies, that never leaves us hungry, always provides that belief as we leave today can inform our decisions and how we act and how we see people how we interact with people how we see ourselves through the lens by which he has given us you're loved be blessed have a great week and we'll see you friday